Chicago lives up to its nickname, the Windy City. Winds of up to 90 miles an hour bring the less hardy to a standstill or use them like a Scotsman's curling stones. Alley fight between Fitz and Combs. You both get to pick three all-time Sox and Cubs as part of your alley fight. My my number one draft pick is Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett, you're out of your mind. Michael, Michael but do you see that right hook? Ask AJ Przezinski if he wants to get hit with that right hook again. You can ask AJ Przezinski that. I will. That's gonna be that's such a podcast question. I uh, shut up. Go to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Rebay has it. He throws. Out! Out! A White Sox winner and a World Championship! And what is going on, Windy City Sports Talk fans? I am Brandon Combs alongside my co-host, Ryan Fitzgibbons. Tonight, we have a lot to get to. We are going to be talking about White Sox. As you can hear, the sad music playing in the background. (laughs) We are going to talk about the Chicago Cubs and how David Ross is just pushing every button that I have in my baseball IQ. And we're going to talk some Bears But if you miss any part of today's live broadcast, you can now catch us on all podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also available on iHeartRadio. As always, make sure to click the like button, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. If you have any feedback for us or have something you want us to talk about or questions you want us to answer, you can email us at combsandfits, all one word, combsandfits at gmail.com. And guys, tonight we are going to start it off with everybody's favorite segment. Are you ready for some Fitz gibberish? Yeah, damn right I am. And it's a special Fitz gibberish. Yeah, it's a diatribe, a conspiracy theory, and an island in the middle of unapologetic and inaccurate sports talk. Hopefully, we can be inaccurate. We can be accurate today. If any day on August 22nd, 2023 or you can call it yesterday. Jerry Reinsdorf fired Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn. When Kenny Williams first got an administrative position with the White Sox, I was still a virgin. Yes, you heard that right, Combs. You probably thought it was a shorter distance from now till then, but that's what she thought too. <laughs> that's what she wished. <laughs> <laughs> On that same subject, Bill Clinton was not even inaugurated as president yet, and he was very much not a virgin at the time. Yes, Kenny Williams first started with my White Sox in November of 1992. Went on to be special assistant to the chairman, Jerry Reinsdorf, in 94, which isn't really a baseball title was went on to be the VP of player development in 97 and replaced Ron Schuler in 2000 as GM. He was promoted to executive vice president. If that's even a job of the white Sox, from October, 2012 until yes, I already said it yesterday. Rick Hahn started in 2000 under Kenny when he became GM. GM was report was promoted himself to GM in 2012 until he was let go. Yes. As we, or some of us know yesterday all due respect to these men but that range of time 
even with success. Happens about as much in the MLB as a manager intentionally walking a guy on a one-two count. (laughs) It has only happened twice in the history of baseball, and no amount of bluster makes it right. For the uninitiated, Tony La Russa, ex-White Sox skipper, and we'll get back to him. Did that twice last year while stubbornly acting shocked when he was questioned on it. Good old Jer Bear, Jerry Reinstoff, did the last thing he could do other than throw himself his own geriatric ass under the bus. He fired the last two guys in Chicago other than, strangely enough, Steve Stone, who were protecting him from himself. He said it. We said it last week on Wendy City Sports Talk, which is the show you're currently watching. If he doesn't sell the team, he must fire Han and Williams. The only problem is there are not enough people in the organization or in the greater Chicago area to cover up Reinsdorf's rampant arrogance, even if he does resemble a misshapen short bus. Sorry, Jerry. (laughs) My goodness. Anyway, but... We would have given you props, Jerry. A lot of Sox fans were celebrating yesterday. You did what needed to be done. And then there was this via Bruce Levine. Both assistant GMs, Chris Getz and Jeremy Haber, are very highly thought of by White Sox German. Chairman Jerry Reinsdorf. Getz has flourished as a minor league director. Haber has stepped into an important role as contract negotiator and metrics experts <laughs> flourished flourished chris gets the white Sox triple a team has an era of yes a sparkling 636 6.36 that is their double a team guess what their era is it's a rhetorical question i'm not asking for you to answer it's fucking 5.58 Is flourishing code for if no one was working your job, the player would be just as bad, if not worse? This is the complete reverse of the plot line of It's a Wonderful Life. Can you imagine if in that movie, the angel erased George Bailey from existence and Bedford Falls was much improved? And then, if we could only top it, there's this. The White Sox have brought back, yes, sleepy man, Nosferatu himself, Tony LaRusso as a consultant. How dare you, Jerry? How dare you, sir? I see there is something else that undergirds, undergirds all of this talk that lies beneath the bad decisions and even worse logic. It is one man's arrogance and how far his tentacles can reach out to help, just help, have a hand in ruining a town. Jerry, the line from that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, goes, each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful big hole, doesn't he? We've talked about it before, but not in this way. I try not to insult the rich on this show because there are a lot of times it's unfounded and unfair, but this is not that story. It is about Jerry thinking he knows better 
than you because he built this empire. He bought the socks and pills for pennies and made billions, did the work. And what the hell did you ever do to question him? It's a ruling class that mistakes luck for success and money for virtue. There are lines in the town I grew up in on the south side. Lines we don't really talk about. Lines that aren't visible to those out-of-towners or not shown on any maps. Lines that none of us cross. Heck, not even the cops want to cross them. And unfortunately, these are not the kind of lines you did at a party in college to stay awake. Not that I would know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> These are the lines that separate a good neighborhood from a bad neighborhood on the South Side. Whether you like it or not, they separate opportunity from almost certain failure. They have been there all my life and the entire time Jerry has owned this team. Those lines are the very reason why the team will almost definitely be moved out of Chicago. I am ashamed of those lines and their perpetual existence. But Jerry, you use them as a negotiation tactic because that has nothing to do with you, right? In 1988, when threatening to move the White Sox to Tampa, you famously said, my conscience is clean. You see the difference with being a White Sox fan more than a fan of any other team, and we can argue about this, Cones, was that it was ours. It was the only thing uniquely Southside that seemed to rise above the systematic crime problem. Every season, whether you liked it or not, had the specter hanging over it. If we aren't good enough and no fans show up, is this team going to move? Every game had a larger weight. Let me ask you just three questions, Jerry. If the Expos won the World Series in 2003, would they still be in Montreal? If the owners of your boyhood team, the Brooklyn Dodgers, thought of people instead of the bottom line, would there still be an Ebbets field? If you never existed, would you leave a hole or more of the landfills that litter the South Side? You can call me dramatic, but on this show, we call that Fitzgibberish, my friends. Combs? Dude, that might be the best one yet. And, and I, I, I think that your heart is completely shattered <laughs> by this team. And, and I, like, I don't even mean to laugh, but I don't even know what to do anymore. When you get so frustrated by seeing what is going on on that south side of town, just as a baseball fan, not even whether or not I'm a Cubs fan whether or not I'm a Red Sox, whatever the case is, whatever a fan of whatever team I am, when you see a team and their fan base go through stuff like this, it hurts me when I see it with Oakland. It, it hurts me when I see it in Pittsburgh. It hurts me when I've seen it in Cincinnati because I know that those are some really damn good fan bases that deserve a lot better than what they've been given. And White Sox fans are no different. White Sox fans deserve better. And as much as I joke around and we, and we kid each other and I love to give you shit about their, their lack of attendance and all <laughs> that stuff that we like to banter back and forth about, this is still a baseball team on the south side of Chicago with a fan base that is so rabid for a winner. It's ridiculous. 
and they deserve a consistently competitive team and they just don't get it and you know yes you get the the masking of of firing rick Hahn and, and kenny williams and i told you this this morning over the phone i feel like the, just by with with what's going on since then with, with there's no way that chris gets could have been the plan going into this right there's no way that hiring tony la Russa as a as a consultant was a plan going into this i think jerry's plan going into this was to give rick and kenny a an extension i think he wanted them to stay and i think that they were like no this is what this is what's going to happen jerry you're 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 going to fire us because we're quitting you go ahead and you let us go we've been here for too long you let us go. We want out anyway. You figure out what you're going to do because you're probably selling the team. And that's what pains me the most right now for White Sox fans. Because look, not only have you had to endure the last five years, we'll say, I'll just give them the last five years of real ineptitude. And I know it's been longer and I know it's been more and I know you've suffered more than that. Yeah. But the last five years where you've been promised a competitive ball club and you just haven't received that. And now, after having to paint through all of that, they want to come out with, oh, well, we're asking for a new ballpark because they got six years left on the contract, and it's going to take about that long to get a new ballpark anyway. You don't deserve a new ballpark. You haven't done anything to get a new ballpark. You haven't done anything to prove to this fan base that they should open up their pocketbooks to give you a new ballpark because that's who ultimately pays for it, the taxpayers. That's what that's goes the on. Now, if they don't get two million fans, they they get subsidized. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing a with lot of other stuff in that deal from from '88, where you know they did it. They said they did it before midnight, but they actually people are saying they did it after midnight. I mean, yeah, and, I mean, and that's the thing. So now you've had to suffer through these last five years, and now most likely. The most honest thing that is probably going to happen here is Jerry's going to sell this team to that investment group from Nashville. And now you've had to endure this. You've had to suffer through this. And now we're going to take this away from you. We're going to move this team to Nashville. And they're probably going to get good because they're going to have an investment group that has been longing for a baseball team. For the last five years, this investment group has been pandering for a baseball team to come to them. And they're not going to, yeah, they're not going to let a team that is already owned come in. And they lost the A's. They lost the A's to Vegas and the the ownership group that's out there. They're, they will not let Jerry bring this team to Nashville. Jerry's going to have to sell to them, which means they're going to be a really good competitive team in a few years in Nashville. And White Sox fans on the South side of Chicago are going to have to watch from afar. If they even remain fans of the team. And, and to that 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 is that's that is brutal, man. That is brutal. That this team in this damn city, this is a great dude. I love the city of Chicago. I love driving downtown. I love seeing the downtown skyline. I love driving down Lakeshore Drive. I, I like. I love all of it. I even the traffic that I yell at every damn day on my way home from yeah. work. I love it. I love the city. To watch what is going on to White Sox fans, to watch what Jerry Reinsdorf has turned this organization into, it's sickening. It really is. 
it's and sickening he has his toy too especially with with what's on the line and that now it's okay to move the team well it was yeah. okay i mean if this is a winning team if you were more concerned about winning would we even be talking about selling the team and i mean if you're a, if you're in the playoff 7 out of 10 years and you win a world series in the last 10 does is anybody talking about moving the team yes. no way I mean, if they're a winner, they're not. But if you don't care about winning and you, uh, you know, have your buddy be the manager for a couple of years and he doesn't give two shits about anything and thinks he can cut corners and he's old and maybe we, we could say something about his age, but he thinks he's too good to do certain things. So he thinks he can walk guys intentionally with, at a one-two count and some important series too last year <laughs> and just throw the team away. I, I just... I mean, if, if you did this in another city and another team that, that that wasn't always under the pressure of moving, especially in a town like this, you did mention a team, Oakland. What's happening in Oakland? Was was, was anybody moving the team in Oakland in the 80s, in the 90s? Was anybody right. moving, pressure under pressure and moving the team? No, because those were winning teams. And yes, the crime got worse in Oakland, too. And people started moving out. And, and I want to talk about So I, I'm going to read his, Jerry's statement from yesterday. This is an incredibly difficult decision for me to make because they are both talented individuals with long-term relationships at the White Sox. Ken is like a son to me, and I will always consider him a member of my family. I want to personally thank Ken and Rick for all they have done for the Chicago White Sox, winning the 2005 World Series and reaching the postseason multiple times during their 10 years. I have nothing but the greatest respect for them as people in a appreciate the commitment and passion for the White Sox they exhibited over the years. Ultimately, the well-worn cliche that professional sports is results-oriented is correct. While we have enjoyed the successes as an organization and are optimistic heading into the competitive window of this rebuild, this year has proven to be very disappointing for us all on many levels. This had led me to the conclusion that the best decision for the organization moving forward is to make a change in our baseball department leadership. Jerry's Jerry's finally comes out of the woodwork, finally comes out of the shadows, finally makes a statement, and he lies straight to everybody's face. Lies straight because you aren't excited about the being competitive in this window of the rebuild. Because if you were, Chris Getz isn't on your radar to be the new GM. Tony Larusa isn't coming in to be a consultant for yes. this team. This is what happens if it is short term and you know it is short term. This is what happens when you are heading, have one foot out the door, and it is your final FU to a fan base that you have just shit on for the last 20 plus seasons. Fuck you, Jerry Reinsdorf. Sell the damn team. And I hate to see them move, but that is what's going to happen because Jerry Reinsdorf is a clown. And he's been a clown and he's been and he and it's such a shame because he built such a great reputation in the in the 90s with the Bulls, in the early 2000s with the White Sox. The White Sox were competitive through much of the 90s. Like yep. he built such a good name and he has just tarnished it over the last 20 years. And these last five years have been an absolute joke. And then yesterday with that announcement, what he is doing and what he is doing now is a joke. And it's a slap in the face to White Sox fans And this team. Ultimately, whether they move, whether it's out, outside just to the suburbs, which I, I would hope best case scenario, that's what it is for White Sox fans. But most likely, the move is probably to the group in Nashville. 
and they moved the team to Nashville. And now you have a completely different fan base. Now you have a, a 90% of the Chicago White Sox fan base, because I'll give the White Sox fans like Shanna CISO, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee, or near Nashville, Tennessee, somewhere in that area. I know that she will have a team that she can root for and be proud of because it was a team she root for in Chicago. Now it's a team that she mm-hmm. can root for where she I lives. For her, right? I mean, right. Um, I wouldn't and, and White Sox that fans that live out of town. I mean, yeah, I was a Cubs fan who lived in New England for 15 plus years, but I was always a Cubs fan watching Cubs games, watching Boston teams win championship after championship while my teams were stuck in a black hole until 2016. Like those were that that was the stuff that I suffered through. But if the Cubs ever sold and moved to Boston, I would have still been a Cubs fan because you know what? I was out of state anyway. What do I care where they're at? They're still the Cubs. Yeah, And it's going to be the same thing for, for White Sox fans that are out state. But all the White Sox fans that live in the south side of the city, all the true Southsiders, all the Southsiders that, that grew up in this town, now what are they going to do? They, I mean, some might become Cubs fans. Some might become Cardinals fans. Some might just say to hell with the sport in, in general. Or some might just become general fans of the sport and not have a team to root for. But it's such a sad state that this team has come, and it's such a sad state that Jerry Reinsdorf has put this organization in. It is such a joke. I mean, it, it's really something. Uh, it's it's really something. And, and four or five months ago, or even in May, when they were really bad and I had posited that they would move, that this team was bad. I was not laughed off the show, but it was a joke. And the comments were a joke. And it was all a joke. Now it seems like like how how do how do how do they stay? I mean, really. I mean, unless you get somebody who grew up in Chicago, who's a Sox fan, who has a lot of money. This isn't the eighties where you can pull some money together. I mean, twenty million dollars in the eighties is a lot less than $2 billion now. I mean, it just is. So you're not going to get those people who are going to come in and 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 save this team. There was a, a buying group. I heard how, how much uh, it was true. It was, you know, it was, you know, uh, talked about a little bit in Forbes. Um, I know some people on the score was talking about them. This was like eight years ago that they wanted to buy the team and then move them to the South Loop. But I don't even know where you'd put them there. I, their tax, you know, money was a little different than in Chicago. Uh, they don't have the money to build a stadium for you, Jerry, and you fucking know that. Like, yeah. come on. And and I, I don't even know what he's negotiating. He's what going to be eighty eight. They're going to live out there. there. There's no way. Even a team that came, even if somebody bought them in two years, there's no way they're going to move them when they have this sweetheart deal for now. You might as well just stay pat for six years. In six years, you're 94. You're yeah. going to move them to Nashville then? I, I just don't think so. But whatever bluster you have left in you to be a giant dick and to act like you're better than everybody else. The, you know, like, like I said, like the... Uh, thinks he's a part of some kind of ruling class like you were better because you bought a baseball team and sports blew up in this country like that's why you're and you got something nobody else has and you can make whatever decision you want and mistaking that for being super smart for intellect and and mistaking money for fucking virtue 
I'm so sick of that in this country, especially at, at, at a whole. But that's all I hear from him. And this was a guy that I respected for a while, man. When everybody would talk crap about him, I always said, oh, come on. He's a good baseball guy. At least I think they're trying to win. I don't believe that anymore. And I don't even know if that was ever true. And you look back at that 2005 team. They had some talent that that Ron Schuler, the previous GM, brought in. Uh, That was still on that team that they were still moving through, that they did trades of that talent. And it was sort of a, you know, a hodgepodge of different players that came together and were tough players and played well. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, you know, that they they do not want to and and they don't want to sell the Bulls. Because in basketball, you really don't have to do all the legwork you have to do in baseball. You have to either pay for players in baseball, which, look, it's not working anymore. We've already talked about that. Which guys over 30 aren't as good as they used to be because of some because they're not on steroids anymore. And some of the arms coming out of the pen. But, yeah. uh, you know, you can't you can't do it in baseball. You have to be smart if you don't have a big payroll in baseball and they don't want to pay with that. They don't want to do the work for that. They aren't into baseball enough to do that. And don't tell me you are, Jerry, because you're not and, and, the teams and, innovating or doing that right now. That and, we've and the teams that are innovating, uh, they they have baseball minds that are allowed to make baseball decisions. The problem is Kenny's handcuffed with what Jerry will let him spend. Rickon is handcuffed with making moves that only uh, Kenny will approve. It, it, it's like, a, it, it's such a bad business and, and a bad way to run a business that it's just, it, it's, it's so maddening. And, and you want to like, you want to be mad at Kenny and Rick, but you can't, cause you know, they're smart baseball people. I think Rickon will be a great GM. And if I'm Rickon, I told you this earlier. Yeah. I'm going to clubs and saying, look, you know, Give me the opportunity to run the team my way because I didn't want to trade Jake Berger. Yeah, I didn't want to trade Jake Berger. I wanted to keep Jake Berger. I uh, these losses that that you can only pin this, this, and this on me. The rest, just give me an opportunity to show you. And he'll probably get that opportunity somewhere, and he'll probably thrive. And White Sox fans will be going, "What the fuck? Why couldn't we do?" And the answer is because of Jerry Reinsdorf. And that is the common answer. And, you know, we put this, I put this out on Facebook last night. I put it out on Facebook. I put it in a bunch of groups that, uh, that we are on. I put it on the Dads with Bacon group. I put it on the Chicago sports memorabilia group that I'm in. I put it on a couple other places. And we've got some, some really good comments. You want to go through a few of them? Yes. It's a good palate cleanser. <laughs> it, it is. It is. So the first post I put up was the White Sox want a new stadium. And if not in the city, then so be it. How do Sox fans feel about the story released? And this was before we heard about Rick and Kenny. And -hmm. I got one guy chimes in and says, they're not moving. Not sure what Jerry wants this time, but no one is building them a new stadium. That is correct, Daryl. That is correct. (laughs) No one's building them a new stadium here in the city of Chicago. No, no money. Dominic Siren says, I feel bad for Sox fan. Jerry is such a pile of shit owner. Very accurate. <laughs> Very accurate. Rob Hershon, sorry if I messed that name up, says the lease expires in six years. So obviously this is the time to explore options and aim for a new deal. If Jerry sells, which I haven't heard anything pointing to, he will. The new owners would undoubtedly move to Nashville. Assuming they get a new, new stadium done down there using tax dollars to entice them to come. I hope they stay and get a new stadium somewhere. 
Always thought it would have been nice to build where Miggs Field was and have the chance to hit balls into Lake Michigan on a short right field porch. Would need to build up the area similar to what Lightfoot proposed while trying to keep the Bears around or build somewhere in the south southwest suburbs. Don't really care. I, You know what? Out of all of the comments in this thread, this was the one that had me thinking the most. Because it would be pretty damn cool to watch home runs go into Lake Michigan, a la McCovey Cove in San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like, that would be a great, if the Bears move out of Soldier Field, you could talk about tearing down Soldier Field and, and building a baseball stadium right there on Lake Michigan. You could talk about a short porch in right field and have balls flying into the lake. That would be that would be pretty damn cool. It I would, would be okay yeah, with that. North, but but you'd the, have to have you'd have to have an owner that wants to keep them here, wants to keep them on the in the city. And I know yeah. it's not technically the south side, but I mean Lakeshore Drive isn't really the north side anymore either. <laughs> like it's no. it's I I am. I would be okay with that idea. I would be okay with if if there were to be an ownership group there. I just I don't see that happening. Any chance you see that happening? Out of Soldier Field, or, or anywhere, anywhere. Oh, like even if you go to the south, southwest. What if the what if the deal falls through with the with the Bears going to Arlington Heights because of what they're asking for in Arlington Heights? But the Bears still own that property. What if they work a deal out with the what the White Sox? I just it, don't see it. Oh man, I just don't see it. Is are the Bears going to get the Bears have a lot more money than the White Sox have? I mean. And what are the Bears going to do? They're not going to give them a sweetheart deal. Whoever they sell that to, they're not going to give a, a sweetheart deal to. I mean, just such a fucking weird town, man. Arlington uh, tracks the track isn't there anymore in Arlington Heights because yeah. they wouldn't put slot machines in there <laughs> because they weren't <laughs> greasing wheels down in Springfield and because they didn't grease wheels down in Springfield. Now gambling's legal. So, I mean, it just doesn't fucking make any sense. That's why that was torn down. That's why Belmoral is gone down by me, uh, which yeah. is a great track for 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 the buggies. Yeah. Um, and now it's turned down for, and now they're now the now uh, the Bears aren't greasing the right wheels, so they're getting fucked with, and now they want to go, and then maybe they'll sell it to the Sox. Like that's so Chicago. That I, well, so I mean, it is. because it's just graft. Everybody's got their hands in the till, but. Jeremiah Murray says, picturing Virginia calling Jerry a young whippersnapper. Yes. <laughs> I look, I, I Jeremiah would hope had a good, uh, he had a good comment on Facebook. He did. He did. I'm, we're going to get to that post here in just a few minutes. Um, here's the one that uh, Larry Valenta put it on. And this kind of, it is another good one, another accurate one. He said he lost all confidence with Jerry after the last dance. If he was content with breaking up one of the greatest sports dynasties, he doesn't care about winning. I didn't, I never even thought about it that way. I never even thought about it that way. It's an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's true. I mean, the guy, he did this uh, similar stuff there. Like, oh, yeah, we want to see two fat guys, you know, make roster moves. We don't want to see Michael Jordan to try to win one more championship. Now, that team probably only had one more in it if they had one more in it. But 
Jordan was still electric in that last year. I mean, if, if anything showed, if it showed you anything, that documentary, it showed you that he was still electric. Now, would that knee have held up? Who knows? Scotty yeah. Pippen's back was all messed up, uh, but it would have been nice to see him get a shot. I mean, they barely even had that at the third one. Jerry had right. a call Jordan on the last second. It's yeah. like it had to come down to that. Does it come down to that in any other place? I mean, <laughs> Dan, Dan Heinz must be a fan of the show because Dan Heinz says Jerry just needs to die. His kids <laughs> will sell to the new owner. Is it possible they relocate? Yes, but highly unlikely. If they expect taxpayers to cover costs for billionaire owners, see you later. Sounds like a Sox fan that's just done. <laughs> yeah. I've said it about a thousand times, though. Jared needs to die. So, yeah, I mean, after that, after what's happening, I mean, it, and just the aftermath yesterday, and just the news coming out right away. TLR is a consultant. He gets shoved down the throat of Rick Hahn. Yeah, you really cared about Rick Hahn. This is how much you cared about Up Rick your Hahn. But Joe, yeah, yeah. Up your butt, Rick Hahn. I'll yeah. fucking hire him back as a consultant because I'm sure Rick Hahn said, no, we do not want him here as a consultant. Like he can't right. be here if we have a new manager just waiting for the other manager to make mistakes. And then you then you have ideas mixing in. You can't have that, even yeah. though TLR was there at spring training for more than a couple of games. <laughs> Here's uh, I saw this. This was in the crowd just uh, I think today. Jerry, don't stop now. Fire yourself. Don't get too excited. <laughs> Jerry's still around. Looks like a daughter and father and daughter connection. Yeah. It's probably Maybe. Jerry's kids. <laughs> well, it is. Jerry's kids are buying up stake in the team. So when they do sell, which they eventually will, if he dies tomorrow, they're going to sell. Uh, the sons are going to sell. They can get more of a piece of that pie. I yeah, I, they're def- they don't even like baseball. Yeah. From everything I hear, they don't even like baseball. So, I if they're definitely going to sell, but just to who is I guess would be the question. Um, Lucas Michael said, and this is another interesting one. Said I read this years ago, probably about seven or more. One of the places that the White Sox could possibly go in the future or a baseball team would be Portland, New Orleans, or Nashville. Portland, they said, all because all they have is baseball. Uh, basketball and soccer and Portland for NBA are normally in the bottom 10 of the league every year. Standing wise, always in the top 10 of attendance because they want professional sports. I, I think Nashville, Portland, New Orleans. I don't, do you, you see them moving either one of those? Michael Jordan buys the white Sox and moves them to New Orleans. I don't know. <laughs> that just sounds weird. <laughs> the New Crazy. Orleans White Sox. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Here, here's oh. the one that that to me, I was like, what the hell? Jerry is in his feelings, says William Ross, because the fans' continuous disapproval of his VP and GM forces him to fire them. This is his counter move. Stop that. <laughs> that is not Jerry is does, not, does not care one damn bit 
what the fans think. He doesn't care that they disapprove of his GM and his VP. He should be the one actually disapproving of them, but he doesn't because he is so like, and I don't even want to say that he is just so, um, what do they call it? Loyal to a fault. I don't even want to say that he's just loyal to stupidity. He's loyal to people who are loyal to who are going to be loyal to him and kiss his ass. That's who he's loyal to. That's why it was okay to, you know, he throws these last guys under the bus. <laughs> Doubting Thomas says the good news is TLR back to health. <laughs> Check on his heart. Oh my God, Jeremiah. <laughs> he says I wish TLR could cough some cancer onto Jerry. Oh my oh. God. <laughs> That's brutal. He that gets, is brutal. Oh my god. We, we have so, so another post that I put up, and I'm gonna pull that one up right now. Another post that I put up was about the um the White Sox and firing and then wanting to bring on uh Chris Getz as the GM. So let me pull that one up here. Um it says White Sox executive expect expected to promote Chris Getz to GM and add Dayton Moore from the Texas Rangers. The two worked together in KC and Brian Hoffmeister said, thought the Sox are in for a long haul of shit. Dayton Moore ruined the Royals for years. Wow. He won a world series there. Stop that. Yeah. He did. People now. He so- he well he did he did win a World Series there and he did build the system, the farm system that they have there that is still technically in the top ten. So I mean he did do that before he he just went to the Rangers two years ago. Yeah, Rangers so he, are doing pretty good. Yeah, and I mean he he did you know he was a part of that. So I'm I'm for me it's Chris Getz. I don't I don't Doesn't get the Chris Getz sense. thing, man. Doesn't make any sense. Triple A, double A, not doing good. Guys are coming up betting 450, not ready for the majors, betting 150 in the majors. I'm looking at you, Lania Sosa and Romy Gonzalez and uh, Oscar Coles and some of the pitchers coming up, not much better. This this team used to be a bastion for pitching. You could say a lot about them, but you they were usually right about pitching. Not anymore. Yeah. It's not that. I did post this in the Dads with Bacon group as well. We are in with the Dads with Bacon group. Uh, We are a member of the Dads with Bacon group. Uh, We love our kids. As you saw last week, we do love Bacon. Chad Smith said it's a great move because Moore built the Kansas City farm system. I don't know about great move. Again, to me, it's a Chris Getz thing. I'm going to chop my dick off. J-Dub West says it only gets more pathetic. Promote the head of the worst farm system in Major League Baseball to GM. I hope they move so I don't have to think about this team anymore. Wow. Yeah, wow. people hoping for them to move. That's usually people hope for the end of a season or, you know, for the roster to turn around or for somebody to die. Not for yeah. an entire team to move. And then <sighs> our guy, Jeremiah Moore. Sorry, Jeremiah Murray says yes that's absolutely the answer to every baseball problem just add more royals 
It's a train wreck, and Jerry's solution is to drop more trains on it. <laughs> hey, fucking minute. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, look, White Sox fans well. are just done. I mean, and I, it sucks. I mean, I, I can't say I blame them, but for me being a sports collector, it does bode well because I have this helmet that is no longer being produced anymore. So it's only going to, it's only going to go up in value. I've got quite a few White Sox jerseys that are only going to go up in value when they are no longer the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. I mean, so, so for me, I mean, it, it you know, money's going to be good in a few years because I have yeah, a whole bunch of stuff got, that nobody can use. You got a bunch of the newspapers and when they won the world series, just to prove that they won the world series mostly, but also yeah. <laughs> that because nobody remembers. No one's going to know who they are. I mean, some people, I mean, you got kids who are 20, don't even know who the Expos were. Yeah. And maybe, maybe baseball doesn't go on strike in 94. Expos have the best record in the league at the point they go on strike. They win the World Series that year. Yeah. Are they still a team? You, you, you can't say no. No, they're still, they still move. You can't say that. You could have started an entire culture there. They could have made a bunch of money off of it. That was a whole thing. Yeah. The Expos could really farm talent. They just couldn't keep it. Yep. You, know, you can go on and on. Andre Dawson, Gary Carter, um, like his son's playing on the Blue Jays now, um, who started with the the Expos. Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Guerrero, yeah. Vlad Guerrero, Expos player. That's when he could run. Talk yeah. about freaking talent. Um, you know, uh, uh, Pedro Martinez. <laughs> Jeremiah Murray said, Eloy and Makata can sell you a jersey. They barely use theirs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doubting Thomas, Pedro, Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Probably one of the best pitchers of all time. At least I in have the my, my Andre Dawson jersey is an exposed jersey. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I look, I I just feel bad. Like I and I get it. I get why White Sox fans are done. I don't blame them. Um and and I just uh, it's going to be interesting from an outsider's perspective and maybe even for white Sox fans it might be interesting too but it's gonna be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years with this team um that the wheels are starting to come off uh this this thing this is train. going to unravel quickly i i believe um and and we're gonna know we're gonna know soon where the white Sox are landing um who's buying them i i believe that we'll probably know i i think we'll know within a year what's going on yeah, I, really I, do. I think it's gonna happen fast i don't see this lasting long i mean i i, I just don't see him going well into it has to happen fast right yeah i see him selling the team I, I just do it just makes more sense you're 88 now like i guess well, and not only that but the lease has, is up but. yeah well no but see then if the lease is up you can't sell because a, t- yeah. a, a group has to have time to build a stadium Right. To find out where they're going to be, so this has to really, realistically, this has to happen within the next year or for it to be viable. Unless there's an extension of a lease, but this is such a sweetheart deal. There's no way. There's no way. They're there's no way. There's, there's no. 
midnight no meeting. Possible Jim way. Thompson is not the governor. We don't have a surplus. Yeah. You know, I mean. <laughs> Jeremiah Murray says apathy in full effect. They do dumb shit and I'm numb to it. Have to hear the stories to remember they have this knife in my gut. Yep. I, well, I did what yeah. the gibberish that I didn't care anymore three months yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, look, it's tough. It's tough. Let's talk about the other side of town for a little yeah. while. That's a lot more positive. Kind of. Five out of eight. I mean, and, and here's here's why it's it's positive because they're in a playoff hunt. They are the second wild card team right now. Uh, they are a, I believe, a half game right now above Arizona for the second wild card spot. Uh, they they did win the rubber game of the series today in Detroit. Should have swept, but David Ross, David Ross decision making or lack thereof decision making is killing me. When you're in the eighth inning of a one run game and your first two batters are Miles Mastroboni and Nick Madrigal. And Nick Magical, by the way, is in the game because he came in to pinch hit for Mike Talkman, who's been one of your most consistent hitters all season long. He has been. And you leave Jan Gomes, who's been your most clutch hitter all year long. And you leave even Patrick Wisdom on the bench, who can hit a bomb here and there in a one-run game on the bench to let Miles Mastroboni hit and let Nick Magical hit in a game which, by the way, you were down three to nothing because Drew Smiley in the first inning gave up three runs to the to the Detroit Tigers. And then you came back to take the lead four to three. And you decided to let Drew Smiley have another damn inning in which he proceeded to give up four damn runs and give the lead back again. Because you didn't if you're going to have a hook. On any pitcher in your rotation, it should be the guy that you just took out of the rotation. And the only reason why he's getting a spot start is because you had an injury to another pitcher. The Marcus Stroman story. That is the only that that guy has got to have the shortest hook out there. And you ran him back out there and didn't go to the bullpen. You single handedly cost this team that game in a game. And by the way. A game in which the Milwaukee Brewers lost last night. You cost yourself actually two games. Because you could have picked up a game. And instead of being two and a half out, now you're three and a half out. And you win again today, but guess what? So did the damn Brewers. And you don't pinch hit. You don't bring in Jan Gomes. Who back, let, let's see what happens when Jan Gomes is in the lineup today. Oh, guess what? He has a game-winning RBI single. It it boggles my damn mind how he continues, how he continues to con- to do make the decisions that he makes. And Jeremiah Murray continued, and Jeremiah, I think Jeremiah Murray is just trying to make me throat punch him because he continues to back up Nick Magical, <laughs> and he did double a ball that was going to hit him in the gut. Correct. So he he, he got pretty damn the lucky uh, on, on a seventy. But batting three hundred when we were kids, you don't want him in a game late in the game. There's no reason. Why is he? Why is he coming in and pinch hitting for Mike Talkman? 
That's Mike Talkman doesn't weird. even play third base. And he's been like pretty inspirational player. I just I don't understand the decision making of David Ross. And I this is going and I know that this team probably isn't going in anywhere in the playoffs anyway. But this is going to cost them. This is the reason why they can't go far. You gotta the win the division. I mean, that third wild card spot, it's tough. Well, I mean, you you right now you're in the second spot though. I mean, you're 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 two and a half up on the third spot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I to keep that spot. I mean, it's still not your. No, you, know, you, you want to win the division. Uh, yeah, you want to you want to win the division. You don't want to play the Braves in the first round after you've had to waste freaking Justin Steele in a one game wild card playoff. Yeah. That's you don't want to do that. Or you yes. know, a couple balls don't bounce your way, and you're out of the playoffs in or, one. Or game. you bring yeah. in Drew Smiley in the fifth inning in relief of Justin Steele, so that Nick Madrigal and Miles Masterboni can hit for him in the eighth and ninth inning. <laughs> it costs you the damn game because you're an idiot. Look, I I hate I hate bashing Ross because I, again, anything with the 2016 team, I like I've it, they've got a place in my heart. I really like David Ross. He just keeps making rookie manager mistakes. And he's no longer a rookie manager. This is his fourth year with the club. You are no longer a rookie manager. You should you should know already going into the game. Look, I'm throwing Smiley out there. If he gives up three runs in the first two or three innings, he's coming out. Especially if my team takes the lead back. You're down three to nothing right off the bat, right from the jump, right in the first inning. They come back and they take the lead four to three. There's no way you can let Drew Smiley go back out there because you know what's going to happen. And it happened. It drives me nuts. Jeremiah Murray says, sometimes I feel like it's the movie Memento and Combs is just walking around saying Nick Magico raped and killed my wife. Just a weird level of hatred. I, that's where it goes backwards. I, I, the whole I just, film goes back with Christopher Nolan's second movie. <laughs> yeah, I I, go, I can't. He just I think he just loves to loves to get my goat about Nick Magical because he also said didn't Magical double in Master Boney to take a six to five lead the other day. I abandoned two eight. Like what? He's okay. He's not going to hit a home run. There is some situations where that I agree with you, where you need a home run. You're not bringing in Nick Madrigal. like in the eighth inning of a one run game. Yeah, you you're just not bringing him in. No, and it worked for him yeah. once, and now he keeps going back to it. It worked for him once. Nick Madrigal hit his second home run of the season. The Cubs end up winning that game later on on a three run home run by Chris Morrell. White Sox fans remember it. Uh, again, sometimes it doesn't. Um, sometimes it does back in TV fight fight. Sometimes it doesn't matter, you know, what the outcome is. Like if on a one, two pitch, you intentionally walk a guy, let's just say somebody does that hypothetically, it would never really happen in a game situation, but let's say some, a manager walks a guy on a one, two count, and then they get out of the inning. That still doesn't mean you made the right decision, right? I mean, it's still still a bad choice, right? You know, you have to go on what they choose. You can't just go on the outcome every time. 
And I think I think uh, Ross goes to the well with this hunch shit way too much, way too much on a team right now. Because what you're doing is putting yourself as a, 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 on a disadvantage to other teams. Because you goddamn right, other teams are playing the averages. You think you're going to play Tampa Bay, and they're not playing the averages, or Atlanta, or the Dodgers, and they're not going to have an advantage over you. It's like sitting down at a blackjack table and hitting on 18. Like, <laughs> the dealer's going to have an advantage. Yes, you might get a three and hit 21 and win the game, but still you're giving them an unfair advantage, and you're, you're lowering your chances of winning. I yeah. mean, you, you just are. Uh, it, will it work out with your hunt? Do, do I want a, a manager never to go on his hunch? No, but it just seems like it happens too much. This guy seems like a bridge manager. I mean, that's what he seems like to me. They can say all they want that he's done well. They're pretty much doing the same thing they did from June of last year through this year. I mean, there hasn't been a great stride of improvement. They were over 500. Am I wrong after the all-star break last year? Uh, no, they were under. They were, oh, yeah, they, were o- they were over in the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The second yeah. half of the season. So right. there hasn't been great strides this year, and you have a better team than you had last year for the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. Except for Marcus Stroman. You're picking up Marcus Stroman's $21 million option next year? No. <laughs> no, and, and they should have traded him at the deadline. What? Yeah, that's was going to be my question. Should, I mean, you know what? Another team would add that you, you can even say, look, you have a $21 million option for next year if he's going to be a stud for you. Jeremiah Murray <laughs> says, as long as he jumps off that bridge, comes to be okay with it. I look. I would not. I would not have picked up. I and I said this at the deadline. I would have traded Stroman anyway. I and I said that. I said I would trade him for a couple of arms, or for a bullpen arm, for whatever, because this team is winning without Marcus Stroman. And Marcus Stroman was was terrible after June thirtieth. He just was, and he wasn't getting any better. Now he's got an injury that nobody knows where it came from. Apparently, wait, Jad Hoyer. We didn't know if it was muscular. We didn't know if it was skeletal. We didn't know if it was indigestion. Yeah. You're joking about it in the middle of the pennant race. We didn't know what it was. Like, what does that say to you? And Strowman's always been kind of a weird guy. I mean. Yeah. I think he, I, I mean, another guy. In, and you can, you can get, I mean, you really already have your ace in Justin Steele. That's who you're building the rotation around is Justin Steele. He's a homegrown guy. Plus, not to mention, you got Ben Brown. You've got Kate Horton. Kate Horton, right now, they're projecting that he might be the number one, um, uh, uh, what do they call that, uh, prospect in all of Major League Baseball by the end of this season. So, I, to me, instead of Drew Smiley, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see Ben Brown, Kate Horton. Like, I'd, I'd rather see these guys up and struggling to, to pitch in the majors because at least – do they have what it's left in the tank? What are their innings like? Are they built up yet? Can they play later in a season? Well, I mean, yeah. nobody knows that. And, and if they can't, if they can't, then fine. But you know what? I would still rather see something like that. You have other guys that are down there. Jeremiah Assad. Give Jeremiah Assad another. Why is Drew Smiley starting? Give, give, I mean, you've got other options out there. That you can throw. And to be honest with you, as much as I've I've killed him all year long, all year long, you're playing against the Detroit Tigers. Why not give uh, that that freaking clown? Uh, what the hell is his name that I keep killing all year long? 
Um, the the relief pitcher. I keep saying if I see him anymore, I'm gonna kill. But he's pitched well. Um, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Um, that's gonna bother me. Pretty old Detroit pitcher. Right yeah, I'm I'm looking at it. Up right now. So we're not killing Ross too. Michael just, Fulmer. Just trying to keep up here. Yeah, one year, bro. I yeah, we're not we're not we're not killing David Ross. He's he's still young. Yeah, I still like Fulmer. David Ross. I just don't like what he's doing. But yeah, Michael Fulmer. Yeah, I. I I would have rather see Michael Fulmer take the start today. You fall back. Get well. three or four or five innings going. You know what I mean? Like make it a bullpen day. I know the bullpen's cool. been taxed, but you're going, you're going to steal, you're going to Hendricks, you're going to these guys that can get you seven innings strong. So make it a bullpen day. Anything is better than watching Drew Smiley do what Drew Smiley did. And Jamison Tyone got staked to a 4 nothing lead today and then gave up a game-tying grand slam to a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so heading into the playoffs, heading into the playoffs, Justice Steele, Kyle Hendricks, and who? Yeah. I, I mean, that's so that's where you're at. And I don't trust that David Ross is going to pull the right trigger. So why not bring up a guy? Why am I watching Miles Mastroboni take at bats and not watching PCA in center field? Let's bring up Pico Armstrong. Let's see what he can do with the bat. I'd rather watch him go down swinging in the eighth inning of, yeah. uh, of a game where you're giving him an at bat. A guy who's actually got pop in his bat. A guy who's shown that he can hit home runs at the minor league level. A guy who's shown that he can be a spark plug in in defense in the outfield, which he did this year in spring training. A guy that is is coming up in your system and is thought to be a top three prospect in your organization. I believe he's actually listed as number one in the organization right now. Why is he not? Why am I watching Miles Master Boney take at bats in a in a playoff push? This doesn't happen in, with, with other managers. This doesn't happen with somebody. If Joe Girardi is not in the booth and he's down in the dugout, Miles Mastroboni is not starting a game for you in this what, situation. What? What? I mean, maybe they're waiting for September call-ups. I mean, that's all I can say. But you are losing games in August. Yeah. Well, uh, you just you just cut you just DFA'd and, and released um, uh, Tucker Barnhart. <laughs> So you, you make Barnhart. Well, no, well, they just released him. They just DFA'd him. So you have that roster spot. What are you doing with that roster spot? Miles Mastroboni? <laughs> like, come on, what are we yeah. doing? Are they worried about playing time? I don't know how that works in the new collective bargaining agreement, but that they'd be a kind of team that would be worried about that. I sure, maybe, but you know what? Look, you, you have a team that has surprised everybody, including myself. I didn't expect them to be in this position fighting for a playoff spot this year. I really didn't. I thought they, they had a decent team, but I I thought they were going to be third in this division. Yeah, I mean, you thought St. Louis was going to have a better year. And when I thought St. Louis and Milwaukee were the cream of the crop. You have uh, a team like St. Louis who you're beating instead of losing to, and that, yeah. that's calculus goes i still had them over 500 around here i said they had a chance at the at the division you know i i i thought the socks this is how dumb i was i thought the socks division would be a better division but (laughs) (laughs) and and that's the thing like i just i don't get a lot of the moves david ross is doing and i don't trust that he's going to pull the right ones come october either i don't think he's here next year I really don't. I I think everything 
it, it just seems like a Ricky Renteria, very good at developing players, making them accountable, getting them from A to B. He's a good leader. Yeah. And, and there was a time in his career where he was thought of as an asshole. He was thought of as an asshole. And Theo Epstein told him exactly this was in Boston. And I remember the story because I was living out there. I remember the story that he actually went to David Ross and said, hey, look, these are what your teammates think of you. This is what your your pedigree is right now. And it changed the way that David Ross thought about himself. It changed the approach David Ross had in the locker room. It made him more of a leader, made him a better player, made him the guy that he is right now managing a major league baseball club. However, maybe it made him too much of a likable guy. Maybe it made him so that now all he does is want to make sure that everybody in the clubhouse likes him. And right now in a playoff push, you Nick Madrigal and, and Miles Mastroboni have to hate you. Because there is no reason why Mike Talkman isn't in center field while Belly is at first base and Candelario is at third every single day because that is your best defense that is your best lineup you want to switch between Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya I'm all for it I think Miguel Amaya is the catcher of the future for the Cubs and I think that that's what they said I think they invested in him by letting Tucker Barnhart go I think that they did all that but there's no reason why we should be fighting for spots for Miles Mastroboni and Nick freaking magical. Well, Nick magical's had an, uh, you know, but if you want to bring him off the bench in like the seventh or eighth inning, when you've got to, if you want to pinch hit for say, Suzuki, who's in a slump or Ian Hap, who's not hitting or whatever, or you just need a, or you got guys on set a first and second with nobody out. And you want to bring Nick magical in for somebody who can't lay down a bunt when you need. I'm, I'm fine with that. He's going to start the, games. But in the eighth inning of a one-run game in Detroit, where if you sweep this team, you're going to move games closer to first place in your division. You're letting these guys take at-bats instead of guys that can actually do some damage and win the game for you. Yeah, I just don't think they're going to catch Milwaukee in the last 10 games. They've got a four-game season, a four-game series coming up this week with them. You know, if you gain a game this weekend, gain a game, gain a game or two, you got yeah, Pittsburgh. Baseball math again. You're playing Pittsburgh. You gain a game or two this weekend. And, and then you yeah. take two out of three or even sweep, or th- I'm sorry, three out of four or even sweep Milwaukee in uh, Chicago next week. Math. I'm just saying you have a chance, but you don't have a chance when you're making decisions yeah, like that. You have a chance. I mean, saying you have a chance, you can say that about any, you know. You're just mad because you can't add. I'm just saying it's baseball math. All baseball fans do that. Yes, then they're gonna sweep this team and they're gonna beat this team, and then it happens and they go four and four, and you're like, uh, are they you know you know who doesn't do that? uh, Sox fans. No, because they stopped doing baseball math in May. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Very much so. You want to talk about a team in this town that makes us happy and giddy right now? Damn right I do. Let's Let's talk talk about the Chicago Bears. Travis Travis Bajent. Let's talk about about Tevin Jenkins, because this is something that you should know about as a White Sox fan. We're supposed to be. 
we we have a player that's hurt to me this is a white Sox thing i mean look they, we have a player that's hurt you you know better than anybody about players that are hurt up your butt joe <laughs> how bad does this hurt the offensive line <sighs> i wish i knew how good this offensive line was I mean, I really did. Uh, you Let's know, say they're mediocre. They're mediocre. They're under. They're under average now. I mean, arguably the best offensive lineman on the team last year. Um, you know, gave up what one or two sacks. I know he's a guard. A little different there. Yeah. Um, it affects your running game. I would think. Do you think your boy Alex Leatherwood's going to be in there and do well? No, I think they're going to go and add depth off of the waiver wire, and I think they're going to uh, they're going to cut Alex Leatherwood. I just, I, I don't know. I heard Alex Weatherhood, Leatherwood would be the guy to come in. I, I don't see how. He was a turnstile in a couple of those games last year. I mean, it's just, you want to have was a the 17th player. overall pick two years you ago. Want, you wanted them to, like, rattle off nine or ten games together. If you remember, Alex Leatherwood was picked at 17, which allowed the Bears to pick Jevin Jenkins early in the second round. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Leatherwood is the reason Jenkins is available, and now he's backing up Jenkins. Exactly. Weird, weird NFL, especially with offensive linemen. Um, They get hurt more than they used to, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. And now you have Nate Davis was cryptically hurt for a little while. Didn't really want to talk about it. That's the guard on the other side. And you got Cody Whitehair who's getting older. Jeremiah Murray says Leatherwood has had a great camp and he trained with Olin Krutz all off season. That's it. You. All right. So Jeremiah Murray, you just broke news. Did he train as a wide receiver as well? We need to get a bulletin on here. I don't know. Jeremiah Murray just broke news though. Because you are Jeremiah Murray. I'm a, I'm not gonna lie. Every report that I've heard out of Bears camp is that they have no clue what Alex Leatherwood is going to be, and they might even probably cut him. That it was the most likely scenario is that Alex Leatherwood was getting cut, but you're saying he's had a great camp and that he trained with Olin Krutz all offseason. I no, and, and this is just me asking because I like I'm just saying I'm just hearing conflicting things. I hope he's had a great camp. I hope he is a good backup to Tevin Jenkins. I hope that he can fill in for Tevin Jenkins because we don't know how long he's going to be out. He's out for an indefinite amount of time. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like if that's true, Jeremiah, have you heard that from sources? Are are you out in Bourbon every day? Like what is going on? Bleacher Nation, which I trust. With a with the they're the well, it's like the bedrock. <laughs> Paris will first turn to Alex Leatherwood while Tevin Jenkins is out. All right. Well, hey, look, I'm with it then. I I'd be with I'm with that more than I am getting somebody off of the waiver wire because at least Tevin Jenkins has been with the team for the same amount of time. Um, Jeremiah says that's what I've heard on the radio. Okay, that's that's fine with me. He played 67% of the snaps against Indianapolis, 73 against Tampa, Tennessee. Those were their last two games. We're, we're going to have to see what happens in this third game. The Bears have emphasized interior line depth. Have they said if the starters are playing? 
Um, they have not. I, I have not heard that. I would think that they the starters would have to have a couple of snaps. Do you think that the reason why they didn't play in week two after why? And you want to talk about Bajan? Let's talk about Bajan. Do you think that it's because they wanted to see who their backup quarterback was going to be? Do you think they wanted more reps for the backups because they're they're having a uh, a quarterback competition, but not for the starting role for the backup role? Yeah, that, to be a backup, it's Tyson Bajan too. Bajan looked good, dude. He did, he did. I I I just don't I, just to see the backup quarterback. I mean, we have a backup quarterback controversy in Chicago. Isn't that the most like? I don't think you'd have a controversy, would you? Because I don't, I don't think Bajan is is one of those guys that can be. A, a, here's Man, what I think: Peterman is a dumpster fire too, and and so is yo, this he was, Walker. Dude, the way he ended that game, I think, ended his time in a Bears uniform. And he was terrible with Buffalo too. Yeah, you hear yeah. Bills fans talk about him. He threw the ball backwards. Right, <laughs> right. You're not supposed to do that. It, and now you've got the XFLer, uh, what's his face on you? On DJ Walker, DJ Walker, and T- Tyson Bajan. And and Bajan goes out and he look the the take on him afterwards after listening to all the the press stuff after the game and listening to the post game interviews and and the the post game rants and all that other stuff. I the the take from most people was that he does a lot of the things well that. Justin Fields has shown that he struggled in so far. So is he more of a guy that can come along and not really, I wouldn't say battle Justin for the starting role, but maybe Justin will actually learn something from this kid with some of the things that he does by watching this kid in, in practice and in the preseason. I mean, I'll take anybody right now as a D I mean, because you might with, with the offensive line in shambles, you might need a backup again this year. Yeah. I mean, to have it like to have it work out like this, like we're going to have another year like this, like, uh, and Cody white hair was pulled out of practice. Uh, last Thursday, looks like he could be okay, but he's filling in for Jenkins a little bit at left guard. Uh, yeah, white hair was banged up, and from what I that could have been a reason why the starters didn't start either it was because they knew they had a couple of guys banged up from practice that they didn't want to put Justin at risk, and that was the reason why they didn't play him and might not play him this week. If if that's the case, are you okay with that? If you're doing it out of rest, are you okay with starters sitting? If they're going to be healthy that first week, I want to know what's happening that first week against the Packers. Well, that's uh, the thing. Like, as long as they're re- let's say they're ready, let's say they're ready to go. They've had good practices, well, yeah. but they're I just mean, banged up. Well, I could see the Colts one, and I think mostly that was because they had played enough for like two games of snaps, from what I've heard. At least yeah. that's what the coaches said. I wasn't there. And then you take a week. You you play a game. You take a week off. You play a game, and then you have a week off before the season starts. Yeah, I mean, I just think you need a couple more reps. I mean, you only have that one game then? No, I agree. And and here's the argument that I hate. Everybody's like, 
everybody's like, well, well, you know, uh, we watched uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and they're going to play a whole half this week. Well, that's great. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you know, and then the people talking about, oh, well, I saw, you know, this uh, uh, Deshaun Watson asked and, and demanded that he play in week three of the preseason. I think, I think because he's out there, though, that uh, our guy should be out there. Stop. The, the, you know what the argument is? Says? It's the same thing that we heard all the time as kids from our parents. If your friends jumped off of a bridge, would you? Yeah, you do it too. <laughs> you do it too. Yeah, he tears, Justin Fields tears an ACL, those same people. Yes. Are going to be are gonna condemning the bears amnesia and be like, how dare they? <laughs> yes. You know, I think I just talked myself into it. I, I really, in the end, do not care. As long as they're ready, if they got the snaps, if they're, if they're working as a cohesive unit, unit, it looks like Lucas Patrick might slide into the center spot. Maybe I feel okay with that. Didn't do a lot of things right last year was hurt a lot, but I mean, if, if he's good to slide in, <laughs> Jeremiah Murray says Watson couldn't get a massage if he didn't play. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh man, that whole thing. So the Bears Bills Saturday. Are you locked in at noon? Yeah, I mean, I'll watch. Let's see, see who plays on the offensive line. I, I don't think Nate Davis is going to be out there again. That just scares me with a new offensive, with a lot of guys move, either moving positions, you know, some decent veteran guys, I guess. Lucas Patrick got a good season or two. What's now going on with Nate Davis? Him. Yeah, Man, that's he, he hasn't taken he, any reps. He's taken some. He's taken some. Um, hasn't played, didn't play in the first two weeks of padded practice. Um, hasn't played a in the game. Aberflus is saying that, like, look, he doesn't know a lot on that yet, which that's a problem because he's supposed to be one of your anchors. He's supposed to be an all pro guard. Jeremiah Murray says Jacksonville reporter said he just doesn't practice. Maybe that's why well, I think it was where they getting from uh, Tennessee, right? Maybe that's why Tennessee cut him. Could be that that could be a problem because they're paying him decent money. I mean, and he's supposed to be a guy that's supposed to anchor your run game. Like your run game is supposed to be solid. I, I just think this is one part of the team. If, if half the defense got hurt, I'd be like, okay. Like, Are you okay with veterans that don't want to practice? He said Tennessee, my bad, uh, Murray. No, I'm not okay with that. I wasn't okay when, even though Hakeem uh, Nix was great, he, he didn't practice half the time he was here. And it, it seemed to start to show on his game. I mean, I, I want a guy at least practicing some. At least tell me he's healthy. Like, this is... Well, that if he's healthy and he just doesn't like to practice, if that's the story that they're just trying to avoid, let's say he's healthy. And let's say they think he's going to be a beast or he's shown things that he they and they're okay with him not practicing are you okay with him not practicing if he shows up and he let's say he plays well no it just it, on a football team that don't work maybe on a baseball like team that would work yeah i, I mean it, it it didn't work for the socks but baseball's a little different of a sport on, on a football team man you have to have 
You have to guy yeah. have guys baseball doesn't practice because they play 162 <laughs> games in which they have like seven days off. Yeah. <laughs> True. I'm not just talking about practice. I'm t- I'm talking about anything. I mean, sleeping in the bullpen might be a problem. <laughs> but I mean, baseball, it's a little different of a sport. I mean, football, you're all playing in this like cohesive unit. One guy isn't doing something, that could be a problem. Yeah, I I don't like it either, especially on a like you said on a team that is trying to establish their identity still, a trying to showcase the fact that they can be a top end offense, and you're supposed to be a standout on this newly revamped offensive line, and nobody's seen a lick of you, and when people ask about you, you say I'm not going to talk about it. I. I don't like it. Maybe they're just making sure like we need this guy to be healthy. <laughs> so just to Jeremiah Murray says, well, Walker must be a outsider. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Hope to God. Tevin Jenkins isn't out for the season. I mean, it's weird to be saying that. Yeah, we thought he was a bust at the beginning of last year, but this was supposed to be a team that makes us happy. And now look at us. Just look at us. <laughs> I just didn't want it to be like the. I mean, for the offense, I just wanted to see something yeah. for like seven, eight games. Like, just show me something. Let's make sure Justin Fields. Oh, he's great. Okay. I th- I really yeah. think we're gonna see something start in week one. I don't think that this. I I think this offense is ready to go. I think they're busting at the seams to get out on the field. Um, I'm I'm okay like you. I'm okay either way. If they play a quarter, if they play one series, or if they play none, I'm fine with it as long as week one here in Chicago against the Green Bay Packers, they show up and put up 30 to 40 points on them and, 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 and just, just light the world up. I, what I don't like is hearing nationally now, people picking the bears to be the sleeper pick to win the division. (laughs) Keep them as a seven win team. Damn it. Keep them as a six or seven win team. They picked them on, on get up on get up the other day on uh, ESPN. Um, Greeny and another analyst actually picked the bears to win the, the North. Yeah. I mean, I don't see that as a crazy pick. I mean, again, you know, as we get closer, we're going to be talking more fantasy football for sure, which some of Bears players are picked high in fantasy football on the offensive side. We're going to be talking about uh, their their schedule. We're going to be talking about other teams as well. Uh, and if you look at the Bears schedule, I, I don't know how you have all these losses unless something major happens. And we're going to end on this. Jeremiah Murray says, I think I need to watch one of those Make-A-Wish segments to cleanse the palate after this depressing-ass show today. <laughs> as soon as I put this hot poker in my ass, I'm going to chop my dick off. Well, Jeremiah Murray, it's been a pleasure. Next week, we are actually taking the week off before the Bears season starts. We've got uh, Life is Happening. I'm going back to uh, to school, Illinois Media School, starting a, a class with them. Um, the day of the show is probably going to change yet again just because classes are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights, unfortunately. So we will figure out what works. I'll drop you off and cry in the parking lot. We we will we can actually probably if we do a Sunday morning Bears pregame show, 
we could probably use the studio in the school right. and actually have some equipment so people can actually real? hear us when we talk. <laughs> so we could, we could do something like that. Um, and, and I'll be getting better at it because I'll be learning some soundboard stuff um, and hopefully working in the industry sometime soon. So that is the goal. Um, and, you know, so it's probably most likely it's going to be a Sunday morning show. Um Prior to Bears games, uh, Bears pregame show. Uh, we'll probably have some live takes on the Bears as well uh, during the games. So maybe we're going to probably have some live feeds on Facebook, uh, maybe some on YouTube. Uh, we're going to try to get some live shows as well, maybe streaming from a couple of bars here during Bears games, uh, talk to some Bears fans and, and see what they're thinking about the team as the season goes on. But until then, two weeks from now, September 10th, I believe it is. September already. It's mm-hmm. 184 degrees today, and it's almost September. <laughs> hey, keep it warm. I'm fine with that. I I am too. I'd much rather swim because I'm actually going to sweat. I should say because I was just thinking because I'm going to go swimming right now. I'm going to do some night swimming while there it's 185 go. degrees outside. Um, so I'm actually more of a fan of of the cold. Or I'm saying of the warm than I am the cold. So. All right, man. Good show. Good stuff. Good talk. Good fits gibberish, man. Stop We're going to get out of here. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>